You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Uh, I don't know how Olivia got the shout out there. That was all you, Sean. Uh, it is good to be here this morning. It has always been a dream of mine to be able to come and speak at a college that was so monumental in my life um, and just in my faith. And uh, I have quite a few fond memories at Bethel. We don't have time to go into all of them, but I want to list a few. Uh, Some of my fond memories at Bethel, a lot of them came when I was around my basketball teammates. I played basketball at Bethel. I also played lacrosse, which was awesome. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever done the Krispy Kreme raids, where you go to Krispy Kreme and you raid the donuts. I don't know if that's still allowed or maybe not. Maybe we weren't supposed to do that. Um, Another fond memory, and I'm not promoting this. Um, I had a dog in my dorm room for three days. We don't do that. It didn't work out well, but it was a memory that me and my roommates will never forget. Um, On the more spiritual side of things, though, I have had so many moments in my faith that were crucial at Bethel. Professors that poured into me, that spoke life into me. Uh, Professors like Dr. Brubaker, Dr. Brandt, um, even Dr. Koteski, uh, just so many within the ministry department. And a lot of you students are like, yes, those are incredible professors that impacted my life. But more than that, too, uh, some of the chapels that I got to be a part of, some of the moments that I got to have, even with my basketball team, we got to go on a missions trip and just seeing God work. I wouldn't say that I would be who I am today without uh, Bethel University's impact on my life through just the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have much time with you this morning, but as I was praying through what I wanted to talk about, I began to ask a few of you Bethel students maybe what would be a good topic to talk about this morning. And so I, I heard a couple suggestions from people, and I began to pray And just ask, Lord, what would you have these students here this morning? And then I began to think back to my time at Bethel and think back to maybe something that I needed to hear or I wish I would have heard as a college student. And I I just heard the Lord simply say the phrase to me, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, when you think of the word kingdom, I'm wondering what comes to mind. You know, maybe some of you think of the word uh, like a king or a queen, they're ruling their kingdom. I know when I think of the word kingdom, I think of magic kingdom. Can we get a hoo-hoo-ha-ha? Like, anybody ever been to magic kingdom? Show of hands. You've been to Disney World. Okay. Uh, Me and my family are big Disney fans. We love it. And in fact, it makes it more of a kingdom because it's got the castle right in the middle of magic kingdom. And like I said, my family's been blessed to go there a variety of different times. And I don't know if your family is like our family, but we like to soak up every moment of Disney that we can get. So we're the type of family that will come 30 minutes before the park opens. We will stay all the way to the park closes and we will get in line and continue to go, go, go. My mom will even pack snacks for us so we don't have to stop to eat. We will eat in line. We will not stop, we will get our money's worth, and we will have the most magical day ever. Maybe you're like my family, maybe not. I remember there was one moment at Disney World which wasn't really the happiest moment for me. 
And it's hard to not have a good day at Disney, but I remember we were going from different line to line and all of a sudden we get out of this ride and we look around and one of my sisters, not Olivia, Michaela, she's here today, um, she was not there. And we began to wonder where she went. So we called her up because when we do Disney, we stick together. We don't separate, we do all things together. And so we called her and we just said, where are you at? And she said, well, I'm in the Starbucks line. Michaela, what are you doing? So we go over to where Michaela's at. She's in this Starbucks line and it's this huge line. In fact, it was actually the longest line we waited in all day at Disney World was the Starbucks line. And we're waiting there and I am so impatient. And maybe some of you, you need your coffee. I'm not really a big coffee drinker, but she is waiting to just so desperately get her coffee. And I was beside myself. You can ask my family, you can ask Liv. I actually couldn't talk to Michaela for the next hour or two because I had nothing nice that was going to come out of my mouth to her. So she got her coffee, her iced frappuccino latte thing, and she's like all going to the next rides, and I am so mad because she made a choice or decision that was all about herself. It was consumed about her. It took time away from the things that our family wanted to actually accomplish. Now, I love my sister Michaela. She's awesome. But I think when it comes to our life, we can do the same thing, right? Where we make life about us, our decisions, our choices, where we kind of, in a sense, build our kingdom. Where we wouldn't say, like, I'm the king of my kingdom and how I live my life, but that's actually how we live. Or I'm the queen of my world and I make all the decisions and my life is all about me. But when God says your kingdom come, he's talking about his kingdom, not our kingdom. Now, God's kingdom has not yet been wholly fulfilled on this earth, but the phrase your kingdom come, it's not just an expectant longing for one day, although I cannot wait for that day, but it's actually your kingdom come can happen in the here and now where God's kingdom can come right here, where we're at on this earth, in the here and the now, that we would build his kingdom. And so I wonder this morning, whose kingdom are you building? Or maybe the better question is, whose kingdom are you seeking? Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. I think it's crucial for us to understand this idea of what a kingdom is. I think a kingdom, when we talk about building a kingdom, is what consumes us in our life. What takes our time and our energy and effort, that's kind of the kingdom that we're talking about. And I wonder if you think about your life, I wonder what you would say consumes you the most. I wonder what you would say takes up most of your schedule or your energy and your effort and your time. You see, the reality is, I think that we can unintentionally build these different kingdoms in our life that are not actually seeking first his kingdom. And I want to talk about a few different kingdoms that I think maybe we can fall into. And I don't think they're all the different kingdoms we could list, 
But I think there are kingdoms that I've definitely fallen into, and especially in college, I have fallen into of seeking these out first. I think the first kingdom we can fall into, I would call this the appearance or the status kingdom, where we're so focused on how we appear to others, our self-image, what people see, even our body image, how we look. It consumes us. Even uh, how we appear on social media. I think social media these days is all about how many likes and comments we can get and how we portray ourselves to other people, even though there might be a different story going on in our real life and in our heart. We can build this kingdom of the status and appearance. I think another kingdom we can for sure seek after is a kingdom of perfection or success where we are consumed with being the best and going and going and going till we try to get this perfectionism in everything that we do, in our relationships, in our friendships, in our schoolwork. I've even had athletes I've coached that have been so like, I have to get this perfect, perfect, perfect. They will be in the gym, and if they're not in the gym enough, they will get anxious because they're not gonna get it perfect when it comes to the game. This perfectionism and success kingdom I had a high school student that graduated out of high school and then went on to Taylor University. She's actually a sophomore there now. I remember basically her four years of high school. She built this perfectionism and success kingdom. And she would tell me all the time she just feels like she's on a treadmill because everything she does, soccer, school, relationships, friendships, had to be perfect. And that's what she had built. And I remember one day she called me and she said, I think... I was focused in seeking the wrong things in high school, where my identity is actually not supposed to be in this success and perfection. I think I actually maybe missed out on what God had for me, even in high school. We can build a kingdom of perfection and success. I think another kingdom we can so often build is a kingdom of our friendships and relationships where we're consumed by our friends, we're consumed by our relationship, or maybe we're consumed with being in a relationship. I've been in college. I know this, there's a thing called ring by spring. I know some of you seek after that. That's not bad. But some of you, it's a constantly, that is what you are seeking after. And you, your happiness almost depends on your relationships and your friendships with others because it is consuming your thoughts and consuming your life. And if I'm honest with you, in college that was for me where so much of what I was seeking was found in other people. And they were great people, but it wasn't seeking his kingdom. I think another kingdom we might find ourselves in is just a kingdom of people-pleasing where we can spend all of our time and energy to try to make others around us happy or that they approve how we're living, that we don't want to disappoint them. And in fact, if we were to disappoint them, it would ruin our day because they have so much of an impact on our life and then it impacts us in that way. We just want to please others. And then the last kingdom I think we can build and fall into is, I call this the self slash the flesh kingdom, where we make this kingdom all about us all about our choices. Whatever makes us happy, we do, even though it may not be the best for us, even though it may not be most honoring to the Lord. It doesn't matter. We're all about seeking that kingdom and doing what we want. And like I said, maybe it's not even a kingdom that I've listed, but I think in some way we can fall into one of these categories of building or seeking out one of these kingdoms. 
But Jesus is saying, seek first my kingdom and all else will be given to you as well. So I ask you, what kingdom are you seeking? Jesus uses the phrase kingdom more than 80 times in the New Testament. And I really want us to understand his heart for us in this, like your kingdom come. What does that actually mean? And so this morning, I want to give you just three areas I believe God wants his kingdom to come and what that means for us. The first is this, I believe God wants his kingdom to come in you. That he wants our thoughts and our minds and our hearts to be consumed by him and him alone. That he wants us to build our foundation on him, the solid rock where we can find true hope and purpose and joy. Ephesians 3.17 says this, that Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that Christ may make his home in your hearts. And some of you are like, okay, how do I let God's kingdom come in me? And some of you have already done that. You've made a decision to follow Jesus, or you've admitted that you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, and you commit to living your life for him. But I do realize that even at a Christian school, there are still some of you that maybe have not made that choice. I know I had a lot of teammates and a lot of friends that I would say were my close friends, even at Bethel, hadn't even let Jesus build his kingdom inside of them. I remember a moment I had in Thailand. I was leading a high school mission trip a few years ago. And in the country of Thailand, 98% of the country is Buddhist. And so there was a moment where I was in my room and a couple of the students on the team came to me and they said, Sav, you will not believe it. There's a baptism going on right now at the hotel pool. And I was thinking, what? There's no way. In a country that is 98% Buddhist, they're probably not being baptized as Christians. I don't know what is going on, but we have to go figure out what's happening. And so we go down there, and lo and behold, there is this coffee shop lady that we had met earlier in the week that has a ministry that Jesus called her to Thailand to start this coffee ministry and two guys that she had been ministering to in this coffee shop were getting baptized and committing their lives to Jesus. And I will never forget this moment. I had wrote this down in my journal in my time in Thailand. And these two men that had given their lives to Jesus, they said, we have been disowned by our families. We've lost our friends. We have no place to live. But I am so happy because Jesus lives in me. And I thought, wow. They let God's kingdom come inside of them. And when we let God's kingdom come inside of us and live inside of us, I believe a lot of things begin to change. I believe our perspective changes, especially even our perspective on suffering, that we actually have true purpose and joy, that we actually can have better goals and desires and ambitions because he is what we are consumed with. And then ultimately that he's our living hope. And so we had a moment getting to see God's kingdom come inside these two individuals. So I believe that God's kingdom wants to come in you. But second, I believe God's kingdom wants to come around you. That he actually wants to build it around you. And naturally, when we let God's kingdom come inside of us, what naturally happens is he begins to refine us and renew us and restore us. And he begins to transform us from the inside out. Our lives actually start to look different. Philippians 2, 13 
says this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act on behalf of his good purpose. And this verse is saying that Jesus works in us so we can live and act for his purpose. But I think sometimes that's hard in the world that we live in though, right? Because as scripture says, our heart and flesh will fail. But then it goes on to say, but our God never will. That we actually have to tap into his Holy Spirit power, not our own willpower. Because of his work in us, he begins to work around us, transforming us from the inside out. The old is gone, the new has come. And you've probably seen this happen in people's lives when he begins to build his kingdom around us and transform people from the inside out, that our language begins to change, our friendships begin to change, how we see people in our life begins to change. Maybe the things that we care about begin to change. How we post and dress begin to change. We let his kingdom come in us, and then naturally what the Holy Spirit does is his kingdom comes around us, transforming us from the inside out. And I've got to experience this firsthand of people that have let God's kingdom come in them, but then have then been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of my favorite times that that happened was actually in my time at Bethel, where there were teammates on my team that didn't know Jesus. There were girls on my floor that didn't know Jesus. But through their years at Bethel, God's kingdom began to come in them. And then naturally because of that, He began to work in their lives and their actions, transforming them and making them new. Girls that people would look at and say, they will never change. Lifestyle habits began to change because of what Jesus was doing in them. People that thought, oh, I don't know if they'll ever be able to accept Christ or what God's doing. God began to do a work. And then to see, even at my time at Bethel, a few of my teammates get baptized, I just thought, wow, that is God's kingdom not only coming inside of them, but working around them and transforming them. So he wants to build his kingdom in you. He wants to build his kingdom around you. And the last thing is he wants to build his kingdom through you. And I love this because this is so cool that God would look at me and you and say, I want you to be a part of something pretty cool. The fact that when we invite Jesus into our heart, we actually have the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. As it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 10, and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. That same spirit lives in us. And it goes on to say in 2 Timothy 1:7 that it's not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And that God would choose to use us to make an impact for his kingdom, to further his kingdom, that he's actually given each of us influence to be used by him. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are actually Christ's ambassadors, that God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And some of you have let God work in you Maybe you've even let God work around you, transforming you from the inside out, but maybe you're not so sure about letting God work through you, that you think it would much rather be better if someone else did that, or you don't know enough, or you're not good enough, or you're not as gifted enough. 
And I simply want to tell you this morning that that's not true. That his spirit lives in you and wants to work through you. And he will give you exactly what you need. And I think so often, at least for me, I have wasted my own passions and gifts and seen people in my life that I love waste their passions and gifts because they believe a lie from the enemy that they could never be used for God's kingdom. But the reality is your passions and gifts have been given to you for a reason. God wants you to use them to further his kingdom. And he says, I'll be with you. I'll speak for you. I will give you everything you need and more. You just have to trust me. I remember uh, about a year ago, I went on a trip to Israel. I actually got to go with some of you in this room uh, and with uh, McCabe and Brubaker. And uh, man, that whole experience was incredible. One of the things that really spoke to my heart though was when our group got to go through the Holocaust Museum. I'd never been to the Holocaust Museum before in my life. And um, I just remember just crying the whole way through that museum. And uh, the horrible thing that happened, bodies being excavated, skin and bones, so much death. And I just remember coming to the end of the museum and sitting down and just crying. And I heard the phrase that I'd read in a book uh, by Caleb Bislow, actually. And in his book, he said, compassion without action is a wasted reaction. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to my heart in that moment, are you living a life that matters? Are you seeking my kingdom first? And the reality was that in that moment, I was consumed with great things in my life. You know, great friendships. I was working at a great place. I had some great things in my life. But was my life counting for something? You know, we can build all these great kingdoms. We've got great friends. You know, you're at a great school. You know, the things that God has given you, the clothes that you wear, they're great. But the kingdoms that we build on earth, they won't last unless we bring Jesus into it. And so I had a moment, and I just remember sitting there crying out to the Lord, saying, Lord, help make my life a life that counts, that seeks first your kingdom and all the things that I'm a part of, in my coaching, in my work, in my family, in my relationships, that I would seek you first above all else and live a life that matters. And the thing is, God wants to do the same thing through each of you to live a life that matters, that he would use you through the power of the Holy Spirit to be an ambassador for him. I believe that God is calling some of you to some things this year. Maybe some of you in this room, you know there's an opportunity that you need to step into and God is calling you to that. Or he's, he's pointing you in a direction to serve somewhere. Or maybe for some of you, it's to reach out to someone. Maybe it's to go on a missions trip to speak up for what's right, even when you might be the only one, to use your sports as a platform, whether you play or whether you don't play, to make it all about him. And God wants to use you 
But the question is, would you let him? Would you let him use you to build and seek after his kingdom? And so this morning, I wonder where you need to let God's kingdom come in your life. Maybe for you, it's you need to actually, for the first time, let God's kingdom come in you. That maybe you've gone to this Christian school for a while, you know a lot about Jesus, but you've never made the actual step to say, you know what, Jesus, my life is yours. I want to live for you. I don't have this whole thing figured out, but come into my life. Build your kingdom in me. Maybe for a lot of you, you have taken that step, but you need Jesus' help to help build his kingdom around you, to transform you from the inside out. The old is gone, the new has come, but you've been relying on your own willpower and you need his Holy Spirit's power to be able to be continually transformed and renewed. Or maybe for some of you in this room, that God's kingdom would need to come through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that he would send you out as his ambassadors into the different places. Some of your seniors are going to be graduating, send you out to those places to be used by him. But also for those that are in the here and now, how can you be used as Christ's ambassador where you are at? I wonder what kingdom you're seeking. And my challenge for you guys, Bethel University, is that we would seek first his kingdom, that we would live a life that is not about us building our own kingdom or kingdoms, but it would be about building his kingdom, seeking him first and that we would live a life that matters for eternity. Let's pray. Jesus, God, thank you for these students. God, you know exactly where each of them are at in their faith, and you love them unconditionally, Jesus. God, thank you um, so much for the work that you've done for us on the cross. God, that you would choose to pursue us, broken individuals, that you choose to use us, God, for your kingdom. God, I pray for... Uh, maybe just a few students in here that they just need to allow you to come into their life, experience you in a rich, new way. Pray for um, the students maybe that just need to allow you to come and transform them, that maybe they've been relying on their willpower for so long, but they just need you to come and renew their mind and their heart and their life, God. And for the students that's doubting themselves that they could never be used to make an impact on this world, God, I pray that you would protect them from the enemy that you would use them, that you would send them out, and that um, Jesus, Bethel University would be students that would seek first your kingdom and live a life that matters. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Savannah. A good word. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.